Uh, any, any questions or comments from last week? What did you think about Psalm 1 when it was all said and done? Everyone okay? You were relieved. Okay, that's good. Yeah. Um, here, why don't we just, let me just pop it open here and we'll read it. Is that all right, Pastor Bruzek, if we just read through it? and well, I don't want to steal anything you've, uh, you've talked about. All right, Psalm 1. And you know here, I think Pastor Bruzek mentioned the better translation is not happy, but blessed. Okay? Where have you heard blessed before? Just read it. Yeah, right. See? See, we're putting it all together. Good. Yeah, you just heard it in the Beatitudes. Beatitudes simply means, you know, sort of this blessed vision. Um, and all throughout the Psalms, you have the language of blessed. And particularly, before I read it, particularly you have the language of blessed connected to a man. Um, and I think it was at the, didn't you do Psalm 1 for a, a woman's ret women's retreat once? You did, right? I think I preached at that. And I think I began with something like, you know, at the risk of ruining a perfectly good women's retreat, Psalm 1 is emphatically masculine, right? So it's this, this psalm is gender specific. It's not sort of a generic abstract man or whole human race kind of man. It's, uh, it's gender specific. And in fact, it's emphatically masculine. So it, it refers to one man in particular. Now, it could be David. Um, but, you know, David always points to someone else. And David, of course, always points to? That's why we don't have uh, children's sermons. The answer is always the same. Okay? So, blessed is the man who does not take the wicked for his guide, nor walk the road that sinners tread, nor take his seat among the scornful. So, um, walk, sit. The, laws, the, the law of the Lord is his delight. And there, you know, law is not... Um, uh, sort of condemn you kind of law, but that is uh, Torah in the Hebrew. So it's the f uh, uh, narrowly the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. But even more broadly than that, it's, um, it's the story of salvation. It's the story of creation and fall and redemption and new life to come. That's Torah. So he says here, the Torah the story of salvation uh, is his meditation night and day. He is like a tree planted beside a watercourse, which yields its fruit in season, and its leaf never withers. In all that he does, he prospers. Prospers the Jesus way, right? We talked all last year about what it was to do things the Jesus way, particularly justice and beauty and those things the Jesus way. The world's way is very different than the Jesus way, so prospering too the Jesus way is very different than the world's way of prospering. It means to flourish in the faith. It means to go from strength to strength. Wicked men are not like this. They are like chaff driven by the wind. So when judgment comes, the wicked shall not stand firm. They actually can't stay put. Okay, It's all about staying put. Nor shall sinners stand in the assembly of the righteous. The Lord watches over the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked is doomed. And if you were paying attention in the margin comments on Sunday, there was this. We talked all about the source of the water. Um, what was the source of the water from last week? Do you recall? Like a tree planted by streams of living water, right? What does that remind you of? Where have you heard living water before? 
Psalm 23, yeah. Now, there was a big setup last week. Pastor Bruzik said Pastor Gainick will talk about Psalm 23, which means now i got to actually come through and do it. Um, but Psalm 23 not only refers to all the sacraments, but that was always the psalm that was read as new people were brought into the church. That's the catechumen psalm. But where else in the Gospels have you heard of living water? You would know. Yeah, you're a John woman. John chapter 4, yeah, John chapter 4. And you remember in John chapter 4, Jesus says, uh, speaking of living water, he says, from his heart, meaning from the heart of the faithful, will flow streams of living water, okay? Which makes you think what? If you're a faithful Christian, from your heart will flow living water, right? But actually in the Greek, there's... Um, there's a variant reading which says something like from him, meaning from Jesus, will flow streams of living water. So Jesus is the source of living water. And even here in Psalm 1, the faithful are like trees planted by streams of living water. Who's the living water? Jesus. Okay? To be faithful is to be planted by Jesus. So you had then in, uh, in the margin this week from Abba John, this is Sayings of the Desert Fathers, um, recommended by Dr. John Kleinig. The saints, now think about this. Have you ever thought about the saints this way? The saints are like a group of trees, each, being diff each bearing different fruit, but watered from the same source. Isn't that brilliant? The saints are like a group of trees, each bearing different fruit, but watered from the same source. The practices of one saint differ from those of another, but it, but it is the same spirit that works in all of them. So then you're, you know, you're reminded of St. Paul and a variety of gifts, right? Make sense? That's Psalm 1. Anything you want to add back there? All right, here we go. Look at Psalm 121, okay? What? 127, 121. It's, it is a psalm, yeah. <laughs> you're in the right book. Yeah, it was 121, and then next week is 27. Or, well, I don't know if next week will be. We'll be gone. All right, Psalm 121. I'll read it out of the New English. If you, yes, go ahead. No, you are. You are. You're going to have a guess. Who's it going to be? It's going to be the guy in the bow tie, the Vic. Or as Emma calls him, Vicky. <laughs> she said... Now, Emma, just so you know, the Vic and I go way back. The day Emma was born, my family came to the hospital, and we don't have any sort of extended family. I'm very deprived. Uh, and Abby's family came to the hospital, immediate family, and the Vic showed up to the hospital. The Vic is great pals with my brother-in-law's, brothers-in-law, and showed up to the hospital and held Emma on the first day. In fact, I think she spit up like all over you the first day. <laughs> sort of. <laughs> Anointed, yeah. So he'll be so he'll be down here. But Emma said the other day, "Can I call him Vicky? <laughs> you can call him whatever you want. That's fine." Yes, exactly right. I do like the bow tie. It's a good look. All right, Psalm 121. So the vicar will be down here next week. He'll do he'll do probably not Psalm 27 because Bruzek will want that. Maybe a different song. 122. Oh, look at that. If you get bored today, you can read ahead. So funny. <laughs> All right, here we go. New English. 
If I lift up my eyes to the hills, where shall I find help? Help comes only from the Lord, maker of heaven and earth. How could he let your foot stumble? How could he, your guardian, sleep? The guardian of Israel never slumbers, never sleeps. The Lord is your guardian, your defense at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will guard you against all evil. He will guard you body and soul. The Lord will guard your going and your coming now and forevermore. Okay? Um, now, where have you heard this psalm before? I mean, I, I, I'm always a little surprised when I read this to folks, and it's not part of your normal devotions. I always thought it was for people. But where have you heard this before? Is there a place where you've heard this read? Yeah. Yes. Is that right? Good. <laughs> and it's actually rather short. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah. Interesting. So you would read it every day. Is that right? Wow. And then, like, when you're, you're at funerals and stuff for your family, you would have it there? Okay. Wow. Yep. All right. Well, it is, it is primarily um, a funeral psalm for a variety of reasons. One, you know, it, it, well, it's just beautiful. Um, but it is one of the appointed psalms for funeral, and it is during the Easter season. In fact, one of the great chant tones is from the old TLH. Remember in the back? How many of you remember TLH? Raise your hand. The red hymnal. Remember you'd flip in the back, and they had the psalms there? This is one of the most glorious ones with the chant tones. Okay. Now, um, let me tell you a little story, and then we'll, then we'll kind of look more deeply at the psalm. How many of you heard, uh, in fact, I'll turn this off. Like one after another, man. I turned the microphone back on for this one. Um, we, were in, we were in Scotland, so I could do some PhD work, and about four nights in, um, now Rachel right now is laughing because we've already told the Strutzels, and she said, you tell the same stories over and over again. <laughs> so this is probably like the ninth, yeah, Holly laughs too. Yeah, real funny. <laughs> Abby now just doesn't listen. Although I realized where I get it from. My dad called last night, and he said, did I tell you about this professor over at one of the universities? I said, yeah, you've told me that about six times. Really? <laughs> Must be genetic. <laughs> so we're off in Scotland. We're about four nights in. Very nice little sort of flat, second, second story. And um, about 2 a.m., someone's pounding on the door. And I'm like, ooh, that's not good. Of course, my wife says, just go open it. Maybe they're college kids. <laughs> it was graduation week. I'm not going to open the door. Pounding, pounding, pounding. No, I'm not going to open the door. And we can see out our front window. We're upstairs. We can see there are two sort of young guys. I mean, college age. They're 18 or 20 or whatever. And um, so I called the non-emergency police number. Um, Sir, what, what's going on? I say, well, someone's knocking at our door. And they said, don't answer the door. Whatever you do, don't answer the door. Okay. They said, we'll send some officers out. I said, how long will that take? They said, well, we don't actually have police officers in St. Andrews at night because it's so safe. So it'll take about 10 to 15 minutes. <laughs> Got to be unbelievable. So um, I actually don't know why I'm telling you this story now that I think of it. What was I talking about? <laughs> oh, yes. Yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. 
Yes, I got it. Remind me talking to yourself. Yeah. Uh, so uh, sooner or later, they start banging a little harder, and now I see the doors like rattling on the hinges. So then I call the emergency number. How long will it take? Eh, seven to ten minutes. Oh, my goodness. So I'm standing at the top of the stairs. I can see everything that's going on at the bottom of the stairs, and all of a sudden, the door opens. Yeah, right? So I'm thinking, this is the end of me. <laughs> I'm going to die in St. Andrews. This is the end of me. Emma's asleep in the other room, has no idea what's going on. Abby's looking out the front window, so she doesn't actually know that they've entered this apartment now. And I'm just waiting. I mean, I'm thinking, all, all this stuff is going through my head, like, do I protect my child? And then I'm reminded of Stanley Hauerwas saying, when someone breaks into your house, sometimes you just got to die. I'm like, maybe this is it. <laughs> you know, I start to pray the Jesus prayer. And then my wife's like, what are you saying? And I said, don't worry about it. It's all going to be okay. Well, all of a sudden, these two college kids sort of turn the corner and take one step inside and look up and see me and run away. Now, I, of course, I mean, I've been working out a little, so I know. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> I can imagine. Um, no, I'm kidding. <laughs> that was a joke. <laughs> So I can imagine, um, no, so they run away, and finally the police come about six minutes later, and they say, what's the trouble? And I said, this all happened, and they said, just go back to bed. It's all going to be okay. Well, throughout the, that, entire, that entire night, I couldn't fall asleep. I sat at the window, and I watched out for, this was 2 a.m. I watched from 2 to 6 when the sun came up. I just sat there in the window. And I remember saying to myself, why are you so worried? This is all going to be okay. It's all going to be okay. And then I catch myself talking to myself. And I was doing exactly what the psalmist is doing. There are times in life where you just talk to yourself, and you try to talk yourself through certain things. However, some are more traumatic. Mine, I thought, was traumatic, but it's nothing like sort of the anguish of the soul in the midst of great spiritual strife, or as Kleinig would say, spiritual warfare. The church fathers would often talk about the dark night of the soul. Right? Have you heard this term, the dark night of the soul? It's the sort of thing where... Your soul is in such anguish. It's not that you're worried about life or you're worried about your car, your kids. It's your soul is in such torment and anguish because the devil is working so hard that you actually can't go to sleep. And, and the way you know you're kind of moving in the right direction spiritually is when you begin to sleep through the night, right? If things are keeping you awake all the time, then, then you've got to be in a different spot. But that's precisely what's happening to the psalmist, okay? He's in anguish. His soul is in anguish. So he begins to say, where am I going to find help? What happens? He talks to himself. He's speaking to his own soul. And in a sense, he's inviting you in to have that dialogue as well. When things get rough, when things get scary. I mean, we often say to Emma when she wakes up in the middle of the night, just look at your crucifix. It's all going to be okay. Right? You have this sort of dialogue with yourself. Uh, you know, I will lift up my eyes into the hills. Where shall I find help? My help comes only from the Lord maker of heaven, the one who put the cosmos together. I mean, have you ever thought about this? The same creator who spoke things into existence, who said, let there be light, and there was, he cares so deeply about you that he's actually numbered every hair on your head. And that is, that is freaking unbelievable that he's done that kind of stuff. I mean, that's how much he loves people. And even in the midst of great strife, the psalmist says, this is great, how could he let your foot stumble? How could he, your guardian, sleep? These are rhetorical questions. It can't happen. I mean, you get in the picture here? The Lord is not capable of letting you stumble. If you stumble, as I often say to the joy, if you stumble, it's your own fault. 
The Lord is not capable of allowing you to stumble. If you trust yourself to the one who judges justly, he will not let you stumble. Is this making sense? Any comments or questions so far? You okay? Last, year, last week you had a lot more. This, this makes me nervous now. The vicar comes down, you get a lot of questions. I don't think it's me. You all okay? Yes. Okay. Yeah, that's right. It's okay, don't, don't. Yeah, okay. Yep. Yeah. Well, here, here, take, take comfort in this, okay? Let me tell you, take comfort in this, the first thing. What you've asked is precisely what the psalmist asked. You're not asking any, your questions are exactly what David asked. He says it sometimes, Oh, God, you're so great. And then other times he says, why the heck is all this happening to me? I thought you were a just God. I thought you loved me. I thought you cared for me. So you're not, so take comfort in the fact of knowing you're asking the exact same questions that David and, frankly, Christians throughout the ages have asked. Okay? The other thing is, let me, let me get all the way through it, and then you can respond, okay? The other thing is, you're not, you know, the Lord doesn't set you up to somehow be like a puppet. Okay? You're not, you're not subhuman. It's not like he just dangles you around and moves you around and, I'm not going to let bad things happen because I've sort, of, I've sort of taken her humanity away. The reality is people are human and people are evil and people are sinful. And that when we engage those sorts of things, it does affect us. It does affect us. And how can you get out of that? You go to Eden. Okay, that's all there is. You just go to Eden. And there's Eden now, the altar. That's your place of, that's your place of comfort and safety and deliverance from the ways of the world. My guess is whatever goes on in your life when you're at the altar, you're a little better off than when you are at home. Same thing for me. Yeah. Yep. No, you're not. Yep. Got it. I completely get it. I no, I get. Here's the thing, you're you are not alone. I mean, if you if you took a poll in this room, every other person here would say exactly what you've just said, and and again, you should take comfort in that, not feel ashamed about that. Okay, I know it does. I, well, <laughs> remember there was that time in the Gospels where they said, "Prove to us that you're the Messiah," right? I mean, <laughs> yep. You're longing for justice. You're longing for wrongs to be made right, for everything to be perfect. <laughs> well, that's part of it. Thank you for that. Thank you. Yeah, right. Well, but here's the thing. I mean, <laughs> you will be dead. Uh, no, I mean, partly, partly the reality is, Okay, I'm going to say two things, and then we've got like four questions over here. Partly the reality is you have to ask what it means to not let your foot stumble. What does that mean? Okay, so there are a variety of ways in which the Lord will not let your foot stumble. They may not be the ways that you want him to not let your foot stumble, right? I mean, you want a good job and a good family and nice kids, and that may not be the way he sorts things out. Why? Because we screw things up, and we take advantage of other people, and we... Always, I mean, Kleinig's great line was, were you here for the Kleinig thing? You should listen to it. His best line was when he said, uh, 
everybody has a different post in life. For some people, they have multiple posts. So for me, it would be a husband, a father, and a pastor. And in a sense, a student, right? You have various posts. He said, you know when sin comes in? When you long for a different post. When you suddenly want something that you shouldn't have. Not even that you shouldn't have, that isn't yours right now. Exactly. Not in your inbox, right. So partly, we long for other posts. We long for other lives, lives, and that is, that's where we get all bollocked up. So you have to ask, how does he not let your foot stumble? Guess what? The Eucharist is here every morning. That's not letting your foot stumble. Right? He says, come receive the gift. And, and you have to see, you have to begin to see, and this takes time. So don't think it's going to happen overnight. Same thing with prayer. It takes time to see that the Eucharist is the place where Eden drops down to earth. The Eucharist is the place where you can say, all is well. The Eucharist is the place where you can say, he's for me and not against me. And guess what? I know that. Why? The body of Christ. That's it. I mean, it may sound s not simplistic, but simple. The Eucharist is everything. Okay? That's where the feast comes down from the mountain to you. I mean, this should be your psalm going to the Eucharist. I will lift up my eyes into the hills. Why do you think the altar is raised up a few feet? It's the mountain of the Lord's presence. It's what life is all about. Okay? Go ahead, Holly. Hmm? Yeah. Yeah. It is an odd thing to question the Creator. It's a bit like trying to flee from the Creator. Adam and Eve try it, and Jonah tries it, and neither goes very well. Right? What else? Yes, sorry. And I think what you kind of hinted at is the most interesting thing about being caught up in evil and wicked things is that actually takes work. I mean, how many of you are just exhausted? Raise your hand. Raise your hand if you're exhausted. Faye, you're not exhausted? Okay, good. Play along a little bit. I mean, if you're exhausted, then don't be caught up in evil things because guess what? That takes work. I mean, it really does. The reason why in Psalm 1 the evil people do the verbs is because it takes work to be involved. Why do you think they're walking and they're sitting and they're standing? The posture of one who is not caught up in those things is to be nothing but given to. That's relaxation. That's like a massage. That's a... That wasn't that funny. That's... No, but that's the point. The point is, don't be, if you're exhausted, don't be caught up in those things. Just come and receive the gift. And yeah, you may get taught, I mean, to talk, even, even in the New Testament, it talks about waves tossing you sort of to and fro. That's the rhythm of the Christian life, the ebb and flow, back and forth. But guess what? If you just stay still, stay put, and be nothing but given to, it'll all be fine. Yeah. Yeah, right. That's right. I know exactly what you're going to say. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I never really, I, he, he stays awake so you can sleep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. That. Yes. He wants you to relax. He wants you to sleep. He wants you to be at peace. And in the meantime, who's the one staying awake? Jesus, right? If you're just nothing but given to, you're always allowing him to do the verb. That's the point, okay? I'm always a little nervous when I get an email at like 4 a.m. That's never good. Because someone is either awake because they're distraught or awake because they're upset or awake because they're angry. It's never good when you get an email in the middle of the night. When I see it pop up and it says 3.30, I'm thinking this isn't going to be good. Why? Because sleep and, I, and I, believe me, I realize there are other medical reasons for not sleeping. 
But if you just kind of boil it down, you know, he who sleeps well sort of lives well, right? No, no, no. When I come in in the morning, I check email. <laughs> no, I'm not up checking at 3 a.m. I just <laughs> I hit click and send receive, and it all pops up. What else? Anything else? You got something? That's right. Right. That's good. Anything, this is great. Anything else? Yeah, go ahead, Beth. Yeah. Yeah. Yes, right. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I. You can't do it. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think your translation is better. This one is a bit more poetic, and, 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 and I have the ESV down here as well. That one says, I will lift up my eyes into the hills. But it still asks the question, from where does my help come from? Yeah? What does it say? Do you have it? Hmm. Yeah. A little more certain. Yeah. 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 It's it, it's interesting because if I as I've dealt with people, especially around funerals, when you ask it in a question, oftentimes that that appears to help them a bit more because what you're saying is the psalmist is in your shoes. He's asking the question that you're asking. Now there is some joy to the certainty. But when you've just lost a 44-year-old son brutally murdered and you say, from where does my help come from? What they're saying is, oh my gosh, the psalmist is asking what I'm asking. So I don't know why the question mark comes in. I'm sure in the Hebrew it's a bit easier to follow. Um, but you know, pastoral care is always specific. So I might read it with a question mark every once in a while. But I think you're right. For you, the assertion is better than the question. Make sense? Yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know where it popped in. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, even vowels and things like that in the Hebrew are always odd. So, have to figure that. Out. Is there a question over there? Go ahead. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I believe me. Yeah, the reason you're exhausted is because you're trying to support a family. That's a good gospel thing. What I'm talking about is when you're so anxious that you become exhausted, or even more, you're, you're caught up in so many evil things that you're exhausted. It's amazing how evil can, like, I mean, it really kind of knocks people out, you know? That's what I'm talking about is evil, how it kind of engages people and, and just runs them through the mill. So, yeah, if you're trying to support a family, that's a very different deal than... Pick your, pick your form of anxiety, fear, evil, whatever it may be. Yeah. Everybody okay? Is this psalm okay? All right, here we go. Let's keep looking. Um, how could he let your foot stumble? Again, it's rhetorical. There's no possible way. How could he, your guardian, sleep? The guardian of Israel never slumbers, never sleeps. The Lord is your guardian, your defense at your right hand. The most interesting thing is the word there for guardian is um, I think in the Hebrew it is shamar, 
which uh, has as its root Shema. Shema means to hear. Isn't that interesting? The Lord is your guardian means your, the Lord is your listener. So Kleinick says, what does Kleinick say? The reason we have so much spiritual warfare because Christians don't do what? Pray. How does the Lord guard you and protect you? Not by, not by, you know, like I said, not like you're a puppet or subhuman and he kind of moves you around like, you know, on a, on a puzzle board. How does he protect you? He listens. He listens. The Lord is your guardian. Why is he your guardian? He listens to you. Okay, this, this all gets back to the dialogue between the man and his soul. He's speaking to himself. He's also speaking to God. He is the guardian. He is your listener. He is your hearer. He is your defense at your right hand. The sun will not strike you by day. Remember in Eden it was described, Adam and Eve walked in the cool of the day. Right? I mean, this psalm is all about Eden. It's all about getting back home. The sun will not strike you by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord will guard you against all evil. He will be your hearer against all evil. He will guard you body and soul. How many of your translations say body and soul? Or he will keep your life. He will keep your life, yeah, right? And, and, what's so, and again, this may not be as faithful, but the point is a good one. He guards you body and soul. There's sometimes this, this old, I think it was even one of the old Lutheran church fathers who once said that people can sort of be caught up in evil things in their body, but not in their soul, not in their spirit, right? The strange, and that actually isn't right. The strange thing about evil is when it engages your flesh, it also engages your soul. It engages the whole person, Right? And so what the psalmist is saying here is flee to the mountain. That's the place of protection for both body and soul. And that's partly why, after you receive the Eucharist, we say, you know, strengthen and preserve you in body and soul unto life everlasting. Okay? Jesus is about the whole person. We're not, we're not Gnostics. We don't walk around and say, my soul is okay, but my flesh is caught up in all the wrong things. He cares for your body and soul. And what the psalmist is saying is, he will protect my life. He will protect every last bit of me. He will protect me body and soul. And how does he do that? He does it from the mountain. He does it where he delivers his gifts. The Lord will guard your going and your coming now and forevermore. In the Latin, that's the same way that the, all the collects of the church end. You know, forever and ever, amen. In the Latin, that's the way it reads here. You know, usque in saculum. Forever and ever. He will guard you forever and ever. There will never be a moment of your existence where the Lord won't be in charge and he won't be listening. Okay? Now the very center of the psalm, and it's actually hard to tell the verses. What does your verse 4 say there? Can you read it to me? Verse 4. Yeah. The guard, mine says, the guardian of Israel never slumbers nor sleeps. So the center of the psalm the center of what the Lord is doing is Israel. Okay? Now, how do you get inside Israel? Because that's where you've got to be. If you want protection, you've got to be in Israel. How do you get inside of Israel? Yeah. You're baptized into Christ, and you're baptized into the church. And the church is the new Israel. This is all Kleinic stuff in Revelation 12, right? The church is the new Israel. So to be protected... And I want, you, I want you to hear this correctly. To be protected, divine protection comes only in the confines of the church. Divine protection comes only in the confines of the church. You have to be inside of Israel to be protected. 
And, and in the Hebrew and in the Greek, whatever the center of, the, of a sort of a story or a passage is, that's always the most important. This one here is the guardian of Israel. He's not the guardian of all the other tribes and nations. He's the guardian of Israel. So to be protected, to be under his guidance, to have him listening to you, means that you reside within the walls of Israel. That's why being in the church is so important. The church fathers used to say there's no salvation outside the church. Guess what? They were right. Why? Because if you're outside the church, you're outside of Israel. So come on Sunday. Speaking of the one holy Christian and apostolic church, the place where the Lord gives his gifts. That's what I'm talking about. However, that takes shape within a building. So all the small buildings, that isn't the church. All those small buildings put together, that constitutes the church. So wherever the Lord is at giving his gifts, that's the place of Israel. That doesn't happen on the golf course. He's there, but he may not be there for you. Where is he at for you? Altar, pulpit, and font. Wherever he's given out his gifts. And that's where the Lord wants you. Okay? Yes. Yep. Why? Keep going. Go one step further. You're part of the church, so you receive his gifts, and his gifts are. And he's part of you. Keep going. What does he give you on the mountain? Yes. So you... Yes, exactly. so you embody him then. So you come in, as Kleinig says, and as Luther said, you come in as a beggar. You come in empty-handed. He puts himself into you and he sends you out. And how does he send you out? Divinely protected, right? Whatever he gives you inside of Israel, he sends you out into the world bearing in your own flesh. What's that? It's, well, yeah, it can be. That might be the law way of talking, but it could be a kick in the pants. Well, yeah. You're not, Christians are not meant to be stagnant. You're meant to be moving, right? So he sends you back out with divine protection, guards you body and soul. The Lord will guard your coming and your going. That's in and out talk. Going, yeah, whatever. Going and coming. He will guard your going and your coming back to Israel, right? Yes, why? Because everything starts in the church. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. He means you're going out and you're coming back, right? If you, you need to begin to see the Eucharist as the center of your life. It all starts there. Sunday is the first day of the week, not the last. It's the eighth day. It's the new day. So life starts at the altar, and then he sends you out, and he says, now be sure to come back. Be sure to come back. As often as you can come, be sure to come back. And then I'm going to give you all my gifts again, and I'm going to send you back out. I mean, we've said it over and over. The Latin mass ends. Go the mission, right? It sends you out. But guess what? Missionaries come back. They go out, and they come back. They go out, and they come back. That was Matt Harrison. Yeah. 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 That's right. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I, and I'm, I hope all of you have this sort of experience. When I'm at the altar, especially on a Saturday, because it's sort of your first time or Sunday morning first time, 
there is this sense of a burden being lifted. And, and Luther often talked about the great exchange. There's a sense in which Jesus gives you his yoke. This is why he says, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Right? You give him all the heaviness of your burden. You put it right on his neck and say, okay, now take this and do with it what you will. And he exchanges that and gives you his burden. He gives you his yoke, which is a burden. It means a life of suffering. But guess what? Suffering doesn't win the day. Okay? It doesn't win the day. It's a great exchange. Exactly right. So I hope you have that experience. When you come, it's as though you kind of rise from the altar. And no longer are you standing in the way of sinners. You're standing in the way of the righteous. You sort of rise and say, oh, that feels much better now. Okay? Everyone okay? All right. Um, let's see. I had something else I was going to give you on Christ in the Psalms, but I don't actually know where that's at. Um, I think the important thing to remember is, as you read through these Psalms, and then, then we'll take any questions you've got, or we can just pray and move on to the next thing. Um, I think the important thing to remember as you read all these Psalms is, they're not your Psalms, first and foremost. They're Christ's Psalms. Um, Luther, I think, was once, you know, Luther, Luther was an Old Testament man. So if you want to you know, learn about the Old Testament, read Luther. Luther once said, um, you know, all of Scripture is pure Christ. If you don't see Christ in every word of Scripture, you haven't quite seen him yet. I often do it the seventh grade. Now, Nelson, you know, Nelson stole this, I think. Did you steal the Where's Waldo? Borrowed it. This is great. He took it. <laughs> With the seventh grade, uh, when we taught confirmation of the summer, the first thing I used to do with them when they'd come in, seventh grade is all about the Old Testament. First thing I do is give them where's Waldo. Say, find him. Because that's how, you're looking at me funny. That's how the scriptures are. It's all about finding Jesus. And sometimes, as in where's Waldo, it's more difficult to see him. Sometimes it's very clear where he's at. The Psalms at times are very difficult. It's very difficult to find Jesus. At times it's very easy to find Jesus, particularly in the Old Testament. It can be very difficult. It can be very easy. What you have to know is he is there. So as you read through these Psalms, remember, they're not yours. They're Christ's. Christ, Christ, this is the thing. As he hangs on the cross, he has this same dialogue with his soul that you have as you go to bed at night. The dark night of the soul, that's Golgotha as it goes dark. Okay? So he's been there. He's done it. He's experienced it. He's been through it. He knows what the outcome is. And he's your only hope for making it through. You have to see Christ in all the psalms. That's why the first psalm begins, blessed is the man. Blessed is Christ. Okay, so that'll sort of be our lens for going forward. All of these are Christ's psalms first. Then they're David's. Then they're yours. That makes sense? Any questions? Yeah. Yes, right. What are they called? Yep. 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 As they would make their way up to Jerusalem, they would pray these psalms. They're actually called the songs of ascent, the songs of moving up. So as they go up to the temple, they'd pray these songs. Psalms, I will lift up my eyes unto the hills. Where does my help come from? For, for a Jew, where does your help come from? The temple. <laughs> your help comes from the same place, the new and greater temple. So yeah, these were psalms of movement. You should begin if you can. You know, this wouldn't be a bad psalm to sort of memorize yourself and even sort of speak it to yourself as you make your way up to the altar. 
I mean, just kind of get in that rhythm. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from where does my help come from. Even if you just pray that. I will lift up my eyes into the hills from whence does my help come from. Okay? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Make sense? This is the joy of the Christian life. Go ahead. Music does, I mean, the music does exist. Um, they would sing it, obviously, in Hebrew, um, which can be very beautiful. I mean, Hebrew is a gorgeous language to sort of learn, and then if you can speak it. Have you ever heard a, a, a Jew speak? I mean, it's very, especially when they sing, it's very beautiful because it's chant, it's rhythmic, it's poetic, it's gorgeous. Um, but, I mean, you can also, the Christian church has had chant tones for 2,000 years now, which have been set, these psalms have been set to those tones. So the same tones that you use, like in the divine service, are really the same tones that the church has used for 2,000 years. So it would be fun to hear a Jew sing it, but take comfort in knowing that you're singing what St. Augustine sang. He sang it in Latin, but the same tone. That's very cool. I mean, you know, that's the joy of the liturgy. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yep. I think it was Augustine who said, he who sings prays twice. That's part of the reason why people sang the Psalms. <laughs> so if you want to get all your prayers out of the way in one minute, just sing the Psalms and then you're done for the day. But the Psalms are set up that way. They're meant to be sung. Anything else? You all okay? Everybody okay? Pray the Psalms. Go home, pray a couple more. Go ahead, Donna. Yeah? Really? Give us the www dot. It's about the word dot com. That's very cool. That's great. Okay. Uh huh. Okay. Really? That's great. Eden's Bridge. Mm-hmm. Like a Celtic section or something like yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It is gorgeous. All right. Let's pray and then uh, you know, stay and mingle, have fun. This is what the church is all about. Little community. Lord, remember us in your kingdom and teach us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.